Sarah, there are a few things in my life that once I find them, there's no going back. And one of those discoveries is comfortable, supportive, cute shoes from our sponsor, Vionic. I can confidently say I will never buy painful shoes again for a couple of reasons. But number one is that my podiatrist would be mad at me, right? Unsupportive shoes can cause so many issues and I don't have time for that. Oh, yeah, Megan, I hear you. The great thing is Vionic makes it easy to say yes to their shoes. And I think a perfect place to start is with the Vionic Vitals collection. These are the essential styles I grab first basically every day. The collection includes loafers, sandals, heels, flats, and sneakers. And between me and you, Megan, and our team member, Katie, we've tried and loved them all. I've been getting so many compliments lately on the Uptown Loafer, and I just clocked like 15 miles in this pair of shoes on a visit to New York City last month. So the comfort factor is no joke. Oh my gosh, I love my Uptown Loafers too so much. And right now I'm kind of living in the Malibu Beach slip-on. It's easy to try out Vionic shoes because every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial. Wear them, love them, or return for a full refund within 30 days. Use code themomhour15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 243 of the Mom Hour. I'm Sarah Powers, here as always with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. How are you doing? I am great. Um, today we are talking about things we love about toddlers, which I feel needs a little, we need to set this up a little bit. <laughs> well, first of all, can we, I've been getting a complex that maybe we're so grumpy about toddlers that people think we hate babies. Like we actually have a, like a hatred for small yes. people. Well, if you've been around for a while, <laughs> we have a saying in these parts that one-year-olds are the worst. It's not even all toddlers. It's for me, it's like, your 18 to 24 month olds. And we've kind of like, we've been a little flippant about it. Like it is just a really, it's a hard age to be a mom. I don't know if it's a hard age to be 18 months. I don't remember it. I assume it's pretty hard, Uh, but it is very difficult to be uh, a mom of a toddler. And so I think in our validating of people, just letting people know, like we remember, like it is, it's just tough. Uh, One-year-olds in particular for me, but Mm -hmm. two-year-olds too. Toddlerhood is a tough stage. But I think we've probably accidentally gotten the reputation, like you said, that we somehow don't like them or that we're just like anti anyone, like three and under is not our game. (laughs) toddler Yeah, we just we ignore them until like they're over three because we just can't with that. No, yes. And there's so much to love about toddlers. And the funny thing is, I remember having these mixed feelings when I had toddlers, like looking at them across the room and and having that swelling of just like, oh, my gosh, love. They're adorable. Like, Look at this little person. And then two seconds later, they're doing that grunting thing where they're like grabbing on your leg, like pulling on your pant leg. And I I think, well, this is just the worst. It is. And I think you just summed it up. It's the best and the worst all at once. In some ways, you get a lot of relief from the first year, the babyhood. They they sleep more predictably. They can start to talk to you. I think what what then flips it to the hard part is it's just relentless. It's just Like a toddler for a day or a few hours is there. There's so much to love about them. They're so cute. And they're the way they change and develop and grow in that, like from age one to age three is 
insane. But mm-hmm. you you're there like it's just constant and, and it's yes. relentless. And there's so much that's frustrating about it. So this all came together. Um, I thought it would be fun to use this as kind of like a loose series that, you know, I don't know, once a month or so we'll figure it out. Um, we just can take an age or a stage and share the things that we look back fondly on about that age and stage. Um, we're farther ahead in motherhood than a lot of you, not not all of you listening. But um, I think sometimes when you're in it, it's so hard to remember those positives. And so if we can offer, um, you know, some laughs, but also through our nostalgia kind of remind you the the good parts of what you're in. So we had to start with toddlers because uh, because we've established. <laughs> we have a reputation to save here. And honestly, when we were making our list of things that we love about toddlers, I realized that all the things I say that I hate about toddlers are also the things I love about toddlers. Like kind of how with anybody, your best traits can be your worst. Yes. Only with toddlers, it's on hyperdrive because <laughs> because toddlers, right? So it's like the perfect one to start with because it's the most, I think, the most extreme. Yes. It's a, it's like an intensity. Um, I'm going to link in the show notes to a couple of essays I wrote about toddlers back when I was writing more essays and I read them this morning and it is in both of them. One's about one-year-olds and one's about two-year-olds. And in both of them, it just comes through that it's that like a toddler is living their emotions and their like everything on the outside. It's like an inside out person. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. So yes, there is. And they have all, they have this newfound physical ability to mm-hmm. do kind of whatever they want but really no common sense to guide yeah. them yet. So they're just like a little, I don't know, like a little, uh, a tiny emotional adult with a death wish, basically. <laughs> yeah, That's so true. So, That's yep. so true. Megan, summer is calling and no prep, no mess meals from our sponsor Factor are here to keep us energized for everything that comes with it. Whether our listeners are planning on pool days, family bike rides, or evenings at the ballpark, Factor meals can be ready in two minutes whenever hunger strikes. There's no shopping, prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. So talk about easy, right? Yeah, it doesn't get much easier than that, Sarah. Plus, Factor's chef-crafted meals also make it easy to stay on track with our wellness goals. Factor's meals are fresh, never frozen, and they include some seriously gourmet options like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. So here's how it works. Factor provides a weekly menu of 35 different choices, including preferences like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages. I recently signed my brother up for Factor Meals, and I covered his first couple of shipments as his birthday present. He just told me he's been loving them so much he plans to take over the subscription and keep on ordering. He is a nurse and works nights, so having a healthier option to quickly heat up on his break or when he gets home from a 12-hour shift is perfect. Well, listeners, what are you waiting for? Head to factormeals.com slash momhour5050 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code momhour50 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Sarah, I love it when the Mom Hour is able to partner with other female-founded brands. And that's the case with our sponsor, Our Place. Our Place makes stunning kitchen products that are healthy and sustainable. We've been testing out some items from Our Place for a little while now. So I'm curious, Sarah, what does your family think? Okay, well, we are absolutely loving our new bakeware set from Our Place. It's a five-piece set that includes three different sizes of baking dishes. So, you know, for your banana bread loaf, your brownies, your lasagna, all the things. 
And then it also comes with this griddle pan that works on the stovetop or in the oven. We chose the neutral steam color and it's so pretty, but there are so many cool colors to choose from. Oh, that sounds so nice. Um, I picked sage, which is such a pretty green for our cookware set. And everything our place offers is non-toxic. They're really leading the way with their durable, easy to clean ceramic coatings. Unfortunately, a lot of other companies are still using forever chemicals because they're cheap, but there's so much research coming out about how harmful they can be. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter our code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's fromourplace.com, and the code is MOMHOUR. Okay, well, we're going to kind of take turns here and kick off our list of things we love about the toddler years. Um, And I will start with just kind of a silly, superficial one, but I loved dressing my toddlers. I love mm. toddler clothes. And let me tell you why. I had very late walkers, uh, medium late walkers. My kids walked around between 14 and 15 months, all three of them. So it felt like waiting forever for them to be upright. And a lot of their little toddler friends had been running around for a while and wearing shoes. And I have two girls and a boy, of course. And I lived in Arizona at the time. So nine months of the year, we had great weather and the cutest clothes were little rompers and dresses for girls. Mm. Um, but when you have crawlers or actually my first baby did not really even crawl. She really didn't go anywhere until she walked. But my um, second and third, when you have crawlers, it's so gross. Their knees are so dirty all the time and you can't really dress them in super cute clothes. And then moving backwards to like newborn and infant clothes, they're they're very cute because they're small. But the baby is is smushed over like in a car seat, like they're never upright. So I just I have this there's something so adorable about an upright, like 18 month old. And the clothes you can put them in are very similar to how you might dress a five or six year old, but tiny. It's like it's like dressing a doll to me. And I just it is I, I can't get enough of the dresses, but not just the girls. The boys are adorable, too. And you had four boys in a row. So I don't know if you remember the same. Well, I do. So th- there's definitely more joy in dressing the girls. It's just at, at least <laughs> at least now. I mean, or when I was, you know, when Clara was born, before that, the boys had limited options. And I remember getting really frustrated because I'd want to go to like take them to like a wedding or something. And I have a really hard time finding like an appropriate toddler outfit for yeah. that. That said, even with the boys, the toddler years were the cutest. Um, and what I loved about it is that, you know, how you look at those newborn outfits and they're so like they, they're in theory so adorable, like a tiny little pair of jeans and yeah. a tiny little shirt. But then you put on the baby and it's just the proportions it's are all terrible. off. And they don't really have a waist, yes. you know, of any kind. Yes. And then so like the pants are like up like to their ribs. And then you kind of tuck the shirt in or you don't. You leave it out. What, it just terrible. doesn't ever look right. And then there's a diaper in the way. <laughs> so I remember thinking like finally when they got to be bigger they could actually wear those clothes yes. that in theory were going to be cute when they were newborns, but they would be actually cute. And because they're standing up, like you said, you can actually see the whole thing. Yes. Um, but Clara, man, I went crazy with the tea collection dresses over, mm-hmm. um, over leggings and gosh, that was fun. Yes. The dresses and leggings and also bloomers, like it, oh. with little girls who are still in diapers. And then you have the little like butt covers, basically like yes. an upright, they're so small, but their bodies start to look more like children. And so the yes. clothing becomes that much more fun. And in terms of you're still very much hands on in picking their outfits and dressing them. Now, that depends on how opinionated your children are, because I did have one 
uh, who started having opinions at about 18 months. But for most kids, you can at least get through like the 12 to 24 month stage, if not longer, um, by picking their clothes and picking their outfits. And they don't get like their weird sensory preferences usually until like more like preschool age. So I just loved it. I still love toddler clothes. Um, And yeah, that's my first thing I love about toddlers. And you don't have to worry as much about the practicality. Like, yes, there's still diapers to change, but you're probably not changing them 12 times yes, a day. Yes, totally. So like you don't have to worry so much about the snap crotches and all that. Like I feel like with a newborn, right. function always came yeah. before form. Yeah. And with toddlers, it can shift a little bit. So I agree. That's a good one to start with. Yeah, fun. All right. Well, I guess my first one is, can we just talk about a toddler's enthusiasm <laughs> for everything? For everything. Which, you know, it's like, they're they're equally enthusiastic about wrapping paper as a gift. That, like yeah. there's just and that's that becomes a little bit less as they get older and older. Like I know a, a two year old doesn't want to play with wrapping paper the same way a one year old might. But you can get. I just remember thinking, gosh, it's really not hard to please them. Right. There's a lot of like they're going to get excited about something, and it can be really a really dumb thing, whether it's a a physical object, toy. Um, a game, yes. you know, Christmas a lights, a show, Christmas yeah. lights. Yes. There's just so much enthusiasm there. And I think that that is a really fun, a really fun thing about it. It is. And I think it's also in contrast to if you think about the first year, I mean, other than, you know, shaking a little toy in front of them or <laughs> pointing right. them to some high they contrast. They kind of blankly look at <laughs> yeah, you. They like, yeah. Maybe they look at the high contrast book with slightly more interest, but they just don't show you as much of what they're into until this age. And then I just remember feeling like, oh my gosh, I know, like, I know what this child likes and, and not just what they like, but that they're starting to have their own likes and preferences. So like, yes, you know, read loved dinosaurs from a very, even younger than two. And once they latch onto something they love, you can play into that. And then, you know, I remember driving around looking for yellow school buses. Like it's like, Whatever yes. their thing is, um, it's it becomes such a fun part of parenting them to then go find all those things. Your Elmo, your, you know, my sister's yeah. toddler is super into Frozen and like Elsa. And so it's so fun to it's like a feedback loop. They start yes. to show you what they are enthusiastic about. And then you actually have something to, you know, give in return other than milk and sleep. Doesn't and, and doesn't that start to kind of I don't know. Um, almost spill over into you. I remember getting really enthusiastic about the things that they were really enthusiastic yeah. about. Like I would watch toddler television and get <laughs> excited about my, you know, back in when Jacob was a baby, it was like Teletubbies. And I remember getting excited about the, the baby in the sun face because I knew it was going to excite him. Like yeah. I knew that he was going to be happy about it. Um, and I also love that they, because as we've said, they wear their emotions on their sleeves so much. You see it all over their bodies and faces. I was yeah. actually just having a conversation with Isaac the other day. Um, who's 20. And I said, Isaac, wouldn't it be funny? We were watching a, we were watching a TV show and it like just briefly showed a bunch of toddlers in a room playing peekaboo or so. I don't remember what they were doing, playing patty cake or little itsy bitsy spider or something. Mm -hmm. And I said, wouldn't it be funny if we could all act like toddlers? (laughs) Like if that was expected of you. And I said, like, if I said to you, how old are you? And he like held out two fingers, but he just (laughs) like, Isaac just got this big goofy look on his face. And I just thought this is hilarious because Adults can't. We have to like guard ourselves more mm-hmm. and well, we have to or not. We just do. Right. Right. But imagine if you could actually go out into the world as a toddler and just show your enthusiasm that hard about everything. It's kind of it's actually hilarious to think about. No, I love it. And I think it is. It's one of the rewards as a mom for getting through the first year is you you are, you get that 
um, you get to know them in that new way and what they're into. And um, often, like you said, it's something really simple, animals or, you know, cars or whatever yeah. it is that lights them up. Um, okay. Well, another thing I love about toddlers is that when you have one with you a lot, it is like having kind of like a permanent buddy. Like I just remember oh, this, yeah. like this sense that I had like somebody to talk to all day long. Now, I think you could make the same argument for a baby or a preschooler, but I it felt different with a toddler. First of all, functionally, my toddlers were just with me a lot. I was home working from home or staying at home during those years. And um, they only took one nap a day and they were just like my perma buddy. And I just Mm. have memories of like, you know, kind of narrating the day as we went, getting them in and out of the car, going to the store. And it settled into just this very um, it's a fraught relationship sometimes because they do need you a lot and they Mm -hmm. want a lot out of you. But I guess with the benefit of hindsight, I look back on that and just kind of fondly remember like the feeling of having a little buddy. And I think I had it probably with all of them. I seem to remember it more with the second and third because I always had somebody, the olders were like in preschool. So I guess when Allegra was a toddler, I was, actually I was working more. I was working more and or was pregnant or had a baby. But with the others, there was always this period of time where the toddler was home with me and an older sibling was in preschool and it just felt like a buddy. And I look back fondly on that. I think I got to enjoy it the most with the oldest and the youngest. Okay. Um, just because the way our lives were set up, I just got more time. Yeah. Um, one-on-one. But but I definitely remember it with yeah. all of them. And yeah, there is that feeling like everywhere I go, there's my little shadow. And, and your day takes on this sort of rhythm and routine around their like structure of their day, which to me, as someone who doesn't often do that naturally for myself. Um, I really like that. Like I look back at that time of my life and think that there was such a, a predictability in the rhythm then mm-hmm. um, that I, I just enjoyed. Like yeah. there was something about that. Now we get up. Now we have yeah. breakfast. Now we do this. Now we watch this show. Now we take our walk. Like there was just a lot of that. And, and especially in that second year. Yes, I, yeah. I totally agree. And in terms of the talking to them and and talking back and kind of making conversation, I mean, you, you know, you're supposed to like narrate what you're doing, even with like a newborn baby, but it always feels super awkward till about I even like nine, 10, 11 month old infants. I felt like started to get where they'd understand you and they'd look around. But a toddler really, you can say like, we're going to go to the store and then we're going to go to the park and they understand you. So I right. just I remember having a lot of conversations with a one year old, yeah. maybe who was limited in their ability to respond in full sentences, but still could carry on an entire conversation. And that felt felt hard one, you know, after a year, year and a yeah. half of, of just kind of babbling to a baby, it felt like, Hey, we're like really having a conversation here. So right. I think that added yeah. to it. Mm, good times. <laughs> well, let's also talk about how funny toddlers are <laughs> sometimes intentionally funny. Like right. that's when their sense of humor starts to become, I mean, it's rough, yeah. but they, de- they definitely start to develop it, but they're also unintentionally funny <laughs> yes. because they're just a clumsy. Yeah. Like they fall down, they run into things, their body proportions are all weird. Their hair is terrible a lot of the time. Their hair is terrible (laughs) and they're goofy, you know, so they're just funny. They're funny. It's like, it's like good, clean fun. Like if you ever just want to have, you know, like the most um, genuine, uncynical, 
you know, yes. humor experience of your life, just watch a toddler for a yes. while. It is the best. It is. They're like I- little drunken adults, but like even funnier. Oh my gosh. I totally agree. I'm picturing like closed caption or like closed circuit television, like how you can watch your kids like, yes. in the gym daycare or something. It just being like therapy. Like I'm just going to watch funny toddlers for a while and not have to, you know, really deal with them. But over Christmas, um, I was with my niece who's two and a quarter and we just had so many laughs at her expense. Like just it's like you said, it's unintentional, but it's sometimes the way they look. She's got really fine blonde, like straw hair. So, you know, the bedhead in the morning combined with the yogurt on the face combined with their funny things they say, like you just add it all together and it is objectively hilarious. And that is probably harder to see when it's your own kid. It, it takes a little bit of you know, appreciating it through someone else's eyes or at least like at least another adult to laugh with. I think that's like, you know, that's part of making it through is you got to have a sense of humor about it. And they are so funny. Well, on a very practical note, we alluded to this. You did talking about rhythms earlier, but um, predictable naps felt really wonderful to me when I reached the toddlerhood stage. Um, my babies were all about me 15, 16, 17 months, like into that second year when they really solidified down to one nap a day. Like we kept two naps for a while and the two naps were predictable, but they're also kind of a hassle. Like you got a morning one, you got an afternoon one. If one nap gets messed up, then the other one is adjusted. There's like all this calculating. And I felt like once we knew about our, you know, the rhythm, like you said, of there's lunch and then there's nap, um, It just felt like something clicked into place with um, our days together, but also like my ability to get stuff done. And um, even the nap itself is very sweet. Like this, there's something that's hard about continually putting a baby down like five times a day. You don't, you don't appreciate nap time because there's like five of them and you're all, the baby's always falling asleep, waking up for that first year. But in toddlerhood, when you get one nap a day, I just remember like there was such a nice, we'd have lunch, we'd read a story, we'd go down for a nap. I'd get my stuff done. You get a break from that child. So yeah, it was, it was hard one. And then it was glorious for as long as it lasted. And my kids all napped until they were three and a half at least. So yeah, there was like, there is like that sweet spot or that, you know, golden year where it just gets good and it stays good. Um, And some kids get predictable in a lot of other things. I remember not all of my kids, but some of them becoming very predictable poopers. Oh, yes. I think toddlers do that. Yeah. Like I knew exactly when it was going to happen. I could look I could look at them, you know, and be like, oh, yeah, it's going to be within like (laughs) like 15 minutes. And so sometimes sometimes like they would literally poop at the same time every day or every two days or whatever. But sometimes I could just tell by looking at them and then I'd be like, well, let's not leave yet. Yes. Whatever like little errand we're going to run. We'll just wait. You get so this is the other thing. There's the predictability of the toddler's behavior, but also you're getting your swing of things as their mom by that time. So you know them like, you know, them in a way that you maybe didn't as much when they were blank newborns or even semi blank older babies. Now you look at them and think, oh, yeah, I know what this kid's about to do. Mm -hmm. And you get really good at reading them. So the their behavior becomes more predictable. But I just think they literally also like you can predict them. Yeah, because you're better at it. Yeah. No, I, I think that's, I think that's so true. Um, did all of your babies do the like afternoon nap type thing? I know you were less structured about like getting there, but were they all, do you remember like a good. Yes, they all did. And they all did it like not, I mean, they all had a different time that they did it, but it was always very predictable. And I got a lot of work also because I was, you know, always working from home. Yeah. That was the time I could count on to really crank out a lot of work. And I remember making very good use of that. And that became a part of my, the rhythm of my day. 
And actually it was really good for me. It really kept me on track because yeah. I was doing a lot of writing. Didn't your babies, wouldn't you have them sleep in the bed and you'd work next to them? If yes. I remember that's really sweet. Yep. That's really sweet. Yeah. I, I remember that. lots of, lots mm-hmm. of writing with Clara snuggled up against me with her little sweaty head. Oh, that's really cute. Yeah. It's funny. My, my last kid was my best afternoon napper, terrible nighttime sleeper, but really good napper. And it was the third kid who always had to be woken up. So it was like the only kid that would have given me like three, three and a half hour naps, like really, like really long, solid naps was the one we always had to wake up. And it was like those years of like, could she couldn't go down until we got home from the the half day preschool. And then she had to get woken up in time to go to elementary school pickup. And it was just like, well, I mean, she'd get like maybe two hours or like an hour and 45 minutes. But ironically, she was the one who would have slept for three and a half hours. Right. Yeah. What happens when you add more kids to the mix? Sure is. Megan, I know we have a lot of moms in our community who really care about their kids' nutrition, but don't love the kids' gummy vitamins they're finding at the store. I get it. And so did the folks with our sponsor, Haya Health. Haya makes a kids' chewable multivitamin that kids love and that parents can feel great about. The company was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of those more popular children's vitamins, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's daily kids' multivitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website, so go to HayaHealth, H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. And Megan, you know, I've really stepped it up lately when it comes to health and wellness. I mean, I've told you this, but I go to an actual exercise class multiple times a week outside my house. That said, it's always tempting to want to do things perfectly. And here's the thing. A flawlessly clean diet is not something I'm ever going to achieve. Thankfully, Ritual is here telling moms it's okay not to be perfect. We love that message, right? Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin helps fill in key nutrient gaps to support foundational health with high quality traceable ingredients in clean bioavailable forms, which means your body can actually access and use them. Yeah, Sarah, I appreciate that Ritual's multivitamin is clinically backed. They put loads of research into their formulation, and Ritual is also soy-free, gluten-free, vegan-friendly, and formulated without GMOs. And this might sound kind of silly, but I love how pretty the packaging is and how the mint tab in each bottle helps keep those capsules smelling fresh. Oh, I love that too. Those little details make a big difference. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start ritual or add essential for women 18 plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Okay. So I don't know if everyone's going to agree with this one. I think it's, it's kind of a matter of perspective or how you look at it, but I found some relief in how much easier it is to feed toddlers. Um, not because that they're better eaters necessarily. Like they may decide they don't want to eat an entire category of food 
They may only eat one category of food. This is when they can get very, you know, things can be very messy, power struggles, all that. But physically, it's just easier. Like you don't have to fuss as much with feeding a toddler as you do a baby. Um, And stress. I remember stressing way more about nutrition and making sure they got just the perfect balance of stuff when they were little and like how much to feed them solids as opposed to nursing and all that. And that starts to kind of go away. And I felt like my anxiety, not anxiety, that's the wrong word, but like my level of having to think about it a whole bunch went way down in that second year. So I totally agree with this. And I'm curious what people's experiences are with first toddlers versus the rest, because I could see if it was your first kid and you've been, you know, very intentionally feeding them whatever you've been feeding them for the first year, you could continue to like, like you said, you know, make sure about all the right balance and all that. But Mm -hmm. I know with my subsequent kids, once you realize that like they're all going to turn out okay, and you you realize like, I I remember going out to restaurants or going out like to fast food or something. And just, it was so refreshing to be able to just break off little bites of whatever everyone else was having and make them a little plate and not have to pack food with me or worry about, you know, nursing around the clock or whatever. So I I agree. There's plenty of mess and other considerations that come with feeding a toddler. But the fact that the the list of things that they're not allowed to eat goes way, way down. Um, And, you know, it's down to any allergies, of course, and chokeable items. But otherwise, they can kind of eat what you eat and they're going to have their preferences and their pickiness. But um, it's less like less planning and logistics. And I'll, I'll also add to that. If you've been exclusively breastfeeding, even if you continue nursing into toddlerhood, you know that the solids can fill them up for a half a day or a day and you could go away for a day or a night. And if you've been the sole source of nutrition, that's like that opens up a whole new world. Like our first overnight leaving babies overnight was always around between a year and 18 months, whether I was Mm -hmm. nursing or not. um, It was, you know, I could go away for 24 hours. Yeah, it becomes much more about the comfort and the rhythm and routine of it at that point. Unless like they need this milk or else. Right. Like, they're not going <laughs> to eat enough. I remember my sister saying when Jacob was little, a little baby, and I was feeding him, you know, probably something out of a jar or maybe that I mashed, yeah. lovingly hand mashed myself. And she said, your life is going to change when you can hand that kid a French fry. And I remember at the time <laughs> being kind of like horrified, like, what do you <laughs> hand him a French fry? I would I would never do such a thing. And then, you know, fast forward, yeah. he's about 14 months old and we're at a restaurant and I'm busy doing something else and handed him a French fry and he just kind of sucked it up. Like, you know, like kind of got the mush out of the middle. And I was like, Hey, my life just changed. Just changed. She was right. Like, wow. It really is the thing. And my standards sure went down. Oh, I know. I thought they would be. Uh, I mean, it is okay. They all, they all (laughs) turn out okay. As, as did we, um, you know, you and I eat everything now and right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, no, I agree. I, I vote for feeding toddlers is easier. Um, okay. Well, one thing I love, probably one of the things I love most about toddlers is the explosion of vocabulary and verbal ability. And I think the cool thing is this is all on a continuum. And so there are kind of early talkers and late talkers, but the continuum for most kids is this, um, like scaffolding, this building of one words to two words, to little sentences, to mixing up their phrasing in the weirdest, cutest ways. And it happens for all toddlers. It just might happen at, you know, 18 months for one and two and a half for another. Um, But you get as their parent, the one spending a lot of time with them. It's like there's never a dull week. There's never a week where they're not adding to their understanding of language and trying out new words. And 
just the the little silly games and songs you can play, the way they'll sing with you. Or I mean, I, I could go on and on. I obviously yes. I'm a word person. You're a word person. We love language and we've loved hearing our kids, you know, acquire language. And honestly, do you feel like that ever stops? I feel like I'm still I still marvel at my kids learning to read or learning to write or adding you know, big grown up words into their vocabulary. So it's just truly, it's something, it's like magical to me to yeah, watch the brain really do that. I was actually, so I just spent a couple of days with my oldest kids. We went to, took a little trip to Florida, just the two oldest and me. And one of my favorite things is honestly just listening to them talk to each other yeah. because it's just fun to think about when they were like that age, like three and one. And Isaac was very precocious in his verbal skills. Jacob, not quite as much. So like the two of them were very much on the same level right. um, for a long sense. time. Yeah. And they would just, oh my gosh, it's just so fun to listen to them talk now. Like they were listening to some Kanye West album and <laughs> then like basically just kind of verbally dissecting it. Uh-huh. And I'm like, wow, they have great vocabularies. Wow, they're really smart. And it's kind of like that same little rush of pride that you yeah. get when they're little. It's, it's still happening and they're now 20 yeah. and 22. So yeah. um, I remember taking a linguistics class in college um, that I just like it just was so interesting to me the way the brain acquires language. And one of the things that I, and I don't remember a lot from college classes, like I don't remember specific facts, but I remember this one. And it was that when little kids acquire language, they're figuring out all the rules of English. Right. Like you use like the past tense when you're talking about yeah. it yesterday and all this. And that um, toddlers will, they'll, they'll vacillate between these patterns of, on the one hand, they're mimicking exactly what you say. So they might actually use correct grammar and syntax if they are repeating exactly what you just said. And, and so it'll sound more kind of grown up or elevated. And then they'll go backwards because their brain also has to learn how to apply the rules in other, like to any sentence in any situation. And so they gave some cool examples, but you'll, you'll hear kids say, I run, you know, instead yes. of I ran because their brains are learning that you add ED on to make right. a past tense. So it's actually like super brilliant, except that it doesn't work in it's, that case. And exactly. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I, maybe I just pay really close attention because I like that kind of thing. But I just think it's you have to give your kids brains so much credit for the work that they're doing. Oh, my and gosh. So no wonder they need so many naps. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, if you think about it. How incredible is it that they come into the world with no language, nothing, and then within a year are learning, yeah. you know, like stringing sentences together yeah. out of nothing. Like, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I just to put a, a final thought on that. I know language delay is really uh, can be really anxiety producing for a lot of toddler moms, especially first time toddler moms. And um, of course, if you have concerns, there's lots of resources to talk to. But just another reminder that just like everything else, there's they they for most kids they when they are ready you will see that verbal that explosion and it's just on a it's just on a continuum and so for some kids it's right at a year and others it's like two and a half so um, I know it's I know it's hard if you're waiting for your kid to really start communicating and they're not um, right. but it will they'll get there. Okay, taking a, t- a page from the book on one, sometimes something that's your best is also your worst oh, right. trait. That's my next one. Um, I have got impulsive. Toddlers are very impulsive. Now, most of us think that means they do things like burn their hands on, you know, <laughs> the stove burner and run into others, the parking lot, run in the parking lot. Like that's the bad side of impulsiveness. But let's just explore the good side of impulsiveness because mm-hmm. it does exist. 
And one of those things would be the fact that they can be so sweet and so affectionate when you least expect it. So I remember sitting on the floor, you know, and having a toddler just run up and throw themselves at me and give me a big kiss and a hug. Like that's the kind of thing when your kids get older and older, you start to see that go away. Yeah. And, and it's no, it's never any more impulsive and big than in those toddler years. Yes. And that was definitely something that I loved about yes. toddler years. I love that too. Yeah. Well, and the impulsiveness keeps, I mean, keeps you on your toes and it sort yeah. of ties into what we talked about earlier with enthusiasm. Um, they, you know, they get, they, there's no, um, what am I trying to say? There's no like delayed gratification or like impulse control. So right. whatever they think or desire, they will go for. And so it is, it is all wrapped up in the enjoyment of seeing them like develop their personalities and go after what they want and get excited about things. And yes, it is also and, a challenge. And the nice thing about impulsiveness too, is that unlike a four or five or six year old who can really dig in on a snit, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a, a kid who's older, if they decide they're mad at you for something, they can really commit, mm-hmm. right? A toddler is kind of over it. Like they're mad. They freak out. They lose their minds. Yeah. And then you offer them something that they're also excited about. Right. And cool. Yeah. They move on. Right. So it's like it's like that impulsiveness is both the worst side of the coin and the best side because they they're very um, irrational. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they can be talked out of things really quickly. Right. And I remember getting really mm-hmm. good and skilled at being able to head things off of the past mm-hmm. or distract or figure out something that would excite them to get them out of like a little funk. And yeah. it usually works. Like you get to know your kids pretty well and you can kind of tell the thing that's going to be the distractor that's going to get their minds off of the fact that they're mad at you about something or like, you know, upset at someone for taking their toy or whatever. I agree. The difference between how you're able to do that with like a young toddler, especially like a one, one to two year old. And then the challenge of that exact thing you describe with a three or four year old. And we are right. not talking about preschoolers in this episode, but the, the three and four and five-year-olds can really like there is no more distract and you know right. distract and deflect or whatever <laughs> like they will dig in hard. So yes, I yeah. lo- I love that you can use the impulsiveness um, and the shiny object nature of their attention totally to your advantage. And I remember having lots of moments with that active management of toddlers, especially like in um, unfamiliar spaces, yeah, other people's homes, restaurants, things like that, where it was literally like. If I just figured out how to stay one step ahead of them, uh-huh. it was exhausting, but I could do it. Like, yeah. I could just be thinking, okay, I know they're going to want to go for that thing, that breakable. Yeah. They can't have that breakable. I'm going to distract them with literally one hand. Yeah. And then I'm going to take it with the other hand and put it where they yeah. can't see it. It was like a constant game of just getting in front of their impulses. Yeah. And it's it's tiring and exhausting, but also can be kind of satisfying in a way. Because you just know, like, you can really stay one step ahead and outsmart them. And that gets harder to do the older they get. It's very satisfying. Just I I have such a mental image the way you just described it. It's really satisfying because it kind of is like a it's like a mom superpower. Like, you yes. know them best and you are able to, like, place those little I'm picturing like a rat maze where you're like placing yeah. the little blocks down <laughs> and like steering them over here. Yes. Um, I we were in. So I have I have toddlers on both sides of our niece, nephew. Um, sides of the family. So Brian and sister has an 18 month old and we were with him over right before Thanksgiving. And we were in a, like a rented house, like a Airbnb with a bunch of family. And I had this great moment where I looked like, like a super mom or a super mom podcaster or something where I, he was super busy and it was, it was not a really child friendly house. And 
um, I was like, you know what? I bet there's a Tupperware drawer in this in this kitchen. And I just like I looked around like my Spidey sets and I pulled out this drawer. And no joke, it was a giant drawer of Tupperware and lids. And there wasn't any glass. There was nothing. Right. And I was like, ta-da. And yep. like, we all just were like, yes, the Tupperware drawer. That just reminded me when you were talking about like being in other people's houses. Like you have to, uh, you know, get creative. But yes. when you've been a mom for a while, it's one of your superpowers. It is. Love it. All right. Well, this one, this one might be specific to my memory, but hopefully others can relate. Um, and that is, I really loved wearing my last toddler. I didn't wear mm. my other toddlers. And I think you probably were more of a baby wearer than I was. I, I wore them as babies and it was very much like a functional arrangement. Like I would pop them in the Moby wrap when they were tiny to make dinner or I'd be in an airport and ha- I had the baby Bjorn and it wasn't very comfortable for my back. And anyway, by the time I had my third kid, I just, I needed to wear her more because I was chasing after two other kids and our life was just moving at a different pace. We weren't home as right. often. And I just have the sweetest memories of wearing a toddler in in lots of different circumstances. I would do it when she was grumpy, when she didn't need a nap, but she was like just needing to be held and all that. Um, I'd put her on my back in the ergo or sometimes on my front um, and all the way up. Or or maybe we were like at Disneyland or on a hike or somewhere where we'd be walking a lot. Um, and I just I kind of wish I had done that with my other kids. And it was just a like a life circumstance thing. But um, if you haven't worn your toddler or you don't have that as like part of your routine, I, I recommend thinking about it. It's like such a it's another way to have that perma buddy like right up close to you. And it kind of serves their need to still be little and babies. Yeah. But you're talking to them and they're they're riding piggyback. And I just have really fond memories of of wearing, you know, a one and two year old all the way up to all the way up to three, I think, occasionally. I I definitely um, baby wore more with the older ones. I don't remember why it was less with Clara. Maybe there was less of a need because I didn't have anyone younger than her. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I was I remember her being on my hip a lot. Like I remember her being up and down and up and down and up and down. But feeling like at some point I just kind of forgot about using the sling. But I used it a lot when she was a little baby. So probably up until about a year. And then it was more like as needed pick her up. Um, she, we did use the backpack a lot, mm-hmm. um, with her because by that point then we had, we were doing more adventuring. Like I remember we would go places with the whole family and we would really need to have the littlest in a backpack because we had all these other hands to hold. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, like there is something really, there's really something very sweet about having a toddler right up next to you like that. And yeah. the sling is definitely the sling or the ergo is definitely, are definitely ways to make that easier. Yeah. Um, all right. Well. Here's the last one, but I think this one deserves a lot of attention. And that is that toddlers are just so darn cute. They are. They're just so cute. Like you, those big cheeks mm-hmm. and like the fluffy hair mm-hmm. and the big eyes. And sometimes their cheeks are red and their hair gets like kind of sweaty and curly. Yes. And their bodies are kind of like solid and awkwardly proportioned. <laughs> I mean, there's just, they're adorable. Yeah. And their their voices, their like little voices mm-hmm. are so cute. And I don't know, just everything about a toddler, if you can step away a little bit from the frustration that sometimes goes with raising them and actually mm-hmm. keeping them alive and just think about how adorable they are. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I agree. Are you around, like, do you have any toddlers right now that you are around regularly? Just my friend Liz's little girl. And she also, oh, the other thing I love about this is that she's over her shyness. Like, she wouldn't go near me for yes. a while and that always really bummed me out. 
And now she's a ham. She will give me hugs. Like she'll run up to people and kind of show off for them. And that is definitely like something that hit her hard in that second year, maybe around 18 months. Yeah. So it's so fun to be around her. She dances. She shows off. Like it's really, really, she, she is probably one of the most beautiful children I've ever seen in my life too, which like doesn't hurt. She's just gorgeous. And, but also like in that so stinking cute, all the ways you want a toddler to be cute. The toddler is cute. How about you? Do you find, yeah. So I am around, I'm not around in my day to day life. I'm not really around a lot of toddlers, but I have two, like I said, on our niece, nephew. So my sister has a two year old and then Brian's sister has a 18 month old. Um, and because we're coming out of the holidays, I have seen them both recently. So in recent months, I have hung out with toddlers. But in my day-to-day life, I'm really not. Um, there's just nobody in my... I, I fell into friend groups here where we live where Violet is truly the youngest of like almost anybody's kids that I know. Yeah. Um, but I was going to say about being around a toddler, I was going to ask if you find yourself... Do you feel like you are still this relatively the same way around Liz's daughter as you were around toddlers 10 or 15 years ago? Or do you do you have like a not a not like I wasn't going to call you a grandma, but like the the type of relationship to a toddler that will be like the next the next phase. You know what I mean? Like kids who are not your own and you don't even have any kids at this age. Do you notice any differences? Well, yeah. I mean, one of the things that kind of bums me out about a little bit about where I'm at now. Um, is that I don't have the natural like ability to stay in front of things is fading a little bit. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Like I just don't relate. I, I am much more like a grandma right now because I'm just not around them as much. Mm-hmm. It comes back. Like if, if I'm around a small child for any length of time or a baby, those skills, like knowing to move the glass out of the way yeah. when you pull the kid up in your lap, like they come back pretty quickly, but they're, they're not just natural anymore. I used yeah. to be such a natural around any child, uh, like any kid, mm-hmm. like I would just be the mom who was in it so much and so often and for so long that I, w- it was just reflexive. I didn't yeah. even have to think about it. And I was very comfortable. It didn't stress me out. Now I think there's just a little more of that, like, oh, what are they going to do again? Yeah. And oh man, it's kind of a bummer. They're throwing a fit. Like, yeah. like, because I'm not used to it. So more like the grandma, yeah. I guess. How about you? Yeah, I think can I say aunt. Can we say older aunt? Yeah. That sounds <laughs> that's than I wasn't Thank trying you. to call you, but you knew what I meant. Like, it's yes. just it's now been a space of time where like you yes. really have a different relationship to any toddlers you're around. Um, yeah, I, I feel that, too. Although, you know, since my kids are younger than yours, I've been out of it for a little less time. I find that I really enjoy some of the some of the everyday parts of being with a toddler, like cutting up the food small. It's all the things that are annoying to you when you have to do it 50,000 times yes. a day. But I'm like, oh, there's a sippy cup and a lid. And like, I know how right. this works. And like, you know, I had a lot of fun with Sydney over Christmas. Um, my niece just, you know, getting her lunch ready or I don't mind like changing it. Actually, she didn't want me to change her diaper. I changed more baby diapers uh, over that break. But the everyday care of a toddler and leaning into that was fun for me, but it's only fun because I don't have to do it all the time. So right, I get exactly. it. It's not, there is nothing like glamorous about cutting grapes into fourths over and over and over again, but it's funny how with hindsight that feels it, there's a sweetness. There's a nostalgia yeah, there. And yeah. it's a, it's a very tangible way to care for someone. Whereas when yes. kids get bigger, you're doing more emotional caretaking and psychological caretaking and like and driving around driving and and (laughs) signing papers. And like, so there's something about the physicality and like the intimacy almost of that, that I found I really enjoyed being around toddlers, you know, this over the holidays. But again, I 
fully acknowledged. It's easy to say that <laughs> right. when you don't have to do it all day, all day long. But yeah, um, to your point, they are just so dang cute. And, you so know, dang cute. when I think back on mine, they were all really stinking cute. And so were yours. Yep. And so are all the ones out there listening. So, OK, well, this was really fun. We are going to wrap up, but I would love to hear from people if you like this 10 things we love about um, kind of idea for a series. And if there's a, a stage or an age or a theme along that same line that you would like to hear us talk about. Um, yeah, I would love to hear that. You can always email us. Hello at the So thanks for listening, everyone. And just as a reminder, we release two Spotify playlists every month. And the ones for January are the top episodes of 2019. So if you're new and missed last year or want to catch up on some popular episodes, there's that one. And then there's also a Spotify playlist where it's Megan and me being interviewed by other podcasters, which can be a really fun way to discover other podcasts and also to get to know some of our background and our business and behind the scenes. We actually... We talk about ourselves much more, don't you think, when we're being interviewed on someone else's podcast? Oh, of course, because yeah. they have to start from scratch. And like, yeah. we always assume people know everything about us on this show, which is not always the case. Right. So, yeah. So there's yeah. a whole playlist. I want to say like, I think it's 15 or 17 or 18 times we want one or both of us has been interviewed by other podcasters. Um, and then there's the top episodes of 2019. Um, check the links in the show notes and it'll lead you right to those Spotify playlists. And then if you want to help us out, sharing those playlists with a friend can be a great way to introduce somebody to the show who maybe doesn't listen to our show or doesn't even listen to podcasts. I think Spotify is becoming a great uh, way for people who are into music to make the leap into podcasting. So right. would love if you want to share those. Yes. Thank you for sharing everybody. And we're really excited about some of the things Spotify has going on for podcasters. They're being really smart about it. So this is really fun. Well, we will be back with you next Tuesday with another all new episode. Talk to you then. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Sarah, my new solo podcast, The Tease Made, is still going strong. I've got dozens of episodes published on topics like wellness, self-care rituals, caring for your home, creativity, herbal medicine, movement, all my kitchen adventures, and of course, tea. Well, of course. Yes, I love the teas made. It's such a fun peek into everything that's going on in your home and your life. And I just love the cozy vibe. Plus, I think a solo podcast can be such a nice contrast to interview shows or two host shows like ours. There's just something so calm about hearing one person talking to you for a little while about whatever's going on with them. Well, that makes me happy to hear because that is my intention. The Teas Made is your chance to step out of the busyness of everyday life and find calm and connection through cozy conversations. Just look for The Teas Made with Megan Francis wherever you get your podcasts.